This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Good fight music artist, Hollow Earth. heard a few seconds of no equilibrium from hollow earth on tour this spring on the fury tour with unearth ringworm and more their new ep parting remains is out now get hollow earth merch and music at goodfightmusic.merchnow.com not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How the hell are you doing? I am Chuck. Am godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. I think you forgot who you were there for a second. Brought to you by Creative Live. If you want to learn how to record music, check out our friends over at Creative Live. they got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering. Taught by all of the artists that you love between the Bear to Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger, Escape Plan. Head over to creativelive.com slash audio if you want to learn more and watch some free previews. Do it. Do it now. Do it. I was thinking with somebody through Facebook about Creative Live. I was like, he's like you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do that. Man, I wish I was young and had time again because, man, Creative Live is like the bomb. You know, it's just like, oh. I've been watching uh, Eals like setting up with uh, monuments for their for their boot camp and stuff, dude. Uh, like I am really that's going to be awesome. Like that that's, that looks like it's going to be such a kick ass deal. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty sweet. Would, yeah, would you know when that's happening? Um, I want to say March. I think we're going to have one more one minute to midnight before we get there. So oh good. Yeah, uh, if good. I remember okay, cool. correctly, uh, how we timed it out. Now this episode, we got a plenty of stuff planned for you. So make sure you know all of our future episodes come right to your right to your device or whatever. However you listen to your podcast, I listen on my iPhone, so I subscribe on iTunes so that I can hear my own voice on my car speakers because <laughs> I, I'm sort of vain that way. Actually, no, I can't stand to listen to myself. But but still, make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes. Metal Sucks Podcast. Search it. You'll find it. Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, you can dig us up. And uh, we would appreciate a couple of stars. Maybe tell us that we suck. That's uh, that's also yep. good. Of course, MetalSucks.net every Monday. That's when we like to post this thing. And you can find us there. And if you click on the podcast tab, you can find all of our old podcasts right up there. You can also find us on social media. I'm at Bearded Ape. And I'm at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook. And Instagram at Chuck and Godless, as well as ChuckandGodless.com. If you would like to support us on Patreon, we would appreciate it. All of our early adopters, thank you very, very much. We definitely appreciate it. In this episode, we're going to be speaking to Stefan Kummer of Obscura. Oh my God, dude. Obscura's new record is... Uh, uh, acroesis? Can am I saying that right? Probably not. There's like a little, yeah. little tilde thing that's in the middle of that. Thing. So I'm probably pronouncing his physics. I think. Yeah, I'm screwing up his last name. I'm screwing, you know, whatever. But dude, the new obscure album is amazing, and I think you're going to enjoy it, and hopefully enjoy our interview with uh, Stefan here in uh, just a little bit. We talk 
about a lot of things. We find out whether or not it's more important to play yourself off as a master's of engineering or uh, the singer of a metal band. Which one works better <laughs> uh, to, picking pick, up chicks. to pick up chicks? You totally mischaracterize. Yes, that question happens, but that is a complete and utter mischaracterization of 98% of the content of that conversation. <laughs> That's actually very... Very true. <laughs> this is a smart dude, people. This and, is the you nerdiest know, conversation. We, oh, uh, my goodness. Like, by far, this is the nerdiest conversation we've ever had on this show, I would say, because we, we get deep into a lot of a lot of interesting topics because Stefan is, a, is like a smart, smart, smart dude. And yeah. uh, and if you can't tell through the music, I mean, just wait to the interview. He's a great guy and, uh, and, and took our beating uh, to, to heart. So he was very good about it. So that's awesome. <laughs> We're also going to talk to Mike Schleibaum again from, you know, The Darkest Hour. We're going to hear a song from a, a song they put out for free over the Christmas break. Like, if you missed it, I think it's still up, uh, but it's going to be a cover song that you're going to hear from The Darkest Hour. Uh, and we're going to talk to Mike about politics. We wanted to hold off. Like, I got him at the very last second to get on the show because so much happened last week in American politics that we wanted to wait to, to, to get him on the show like for the last second. So it's really just going to be me and Mike uh, talking because godless you know is going to be en route to 70,000 tons of metal and and you know we had to take a little bit of time so mike's going to be on the show and we're going to talk politics here in a little bit as well because it's about to go like stupid insane with the primaries and all kinds of other stuff so we want to bring it to you from the metal perspective with the sadist nation coming up at the back half of the show as well all right let's get into our interview with uh Stephen, thinking more about music in different and interesting ways than uh, almost anybody on the face of this earth and you will find that out in our interview here on the metal sucks podcast Stefan so thank you for joining us really appreciate it Indeed. and and uh, Chuck's raving about the new album. I can't wait to hear it and and uh, yeah, add it to everything else that you guys have done. It's all fantastic. Uh, you're 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 taking on some heavy stuff as far as the physics are concerned this time around. Some, now I know your your of. background's in engineering. Are you kind of doing the physics uh, like double degree here? Um, I, I finished my master's actually, and I have been working for two years at the university. So uh, actually, I'm teaching these days. Yeah, but it's a, isn't it uh, all in engineering rather than in physics? It's uh, like audio and video production, right? Yes, exactly. I'm more focused on audio video production, and I uh, also gave some courses how to how to build guitars, for example, like on a basic level, and. Yeah, the, the physics of e-guitars, so to say. So it's somewhere in between only physics and, uh, you know, the video media. Me, some Something with media in the end. <laughs> That's what we call it. So is it like, uh, I mean, more uh, related, like music business related? Or is it really like like broadcasting, like media media? Or which part of that do you, do you explore? Actually, it's more for engineers in the end. So yeah. it's um, all the courses are more... Uh, for the engineers who are also making music, hmm. so it's it's pretty interesting. So they are more interested in uh, material uh, that is uh, going to be destroyed after like one million hits or something. <laughs> 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 it's it's pretty nerdy, but uh, there there's a small scene over here. Uh, for example, a uh, emeritated uh, professor called Professor Zollner from uh, University of uh, Regensburg. 
and he wrote his entire life from the 60s on only uh, about the physics of the electric guitar. It's a, it's a manifest, it's something like a, a Bible for everything over here um, that explains absolutely everything, every single piece from a electric guitar. So uh, how, which wood is uh, referring to what kind of amplifiers and so on. It's, it's hilarious and I didn't finish the whole, the whole Bible yet, so I'm not well confessed yet but uh, it's very interesting and that's that's more the the, re, the direction i'm going to yeah. so i'm i'm not only into um producing other bands or something that's that's something other people can do better i'm i'm more interested in the in the physics behind that that's like a w- unbelievably deep topic i mean cuz cuz you could get into the like the molecular structure of the of the grains of the wood that are involved in it, plus like the circuitry and the windings, and the, I mean, there's so many different things that you could <laughs> that that could encompass, right? It's it's pretty interesting on the one side. On the other side, you see how much voodoo is there in mm. you know old old guitars, like what people think about, like uh, the early Gibsons, for example. But I'm not an expert. Um, I'm getting into into very deep much into the into the physics of the electric guitar right now and also how to build amps stuff like that but um it's in, in german it's a little bit easier to explain <laughs> to be honest i'm not a native speaker yeah. and it's yeah. quite obvious yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> see i would expect like the lyrics of the whole album to be all about where i should be placing my speakers in the room so that i can get the best <laughs> sonic experience for not about like planets bouncing off each other and stuff like that you know <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> i have to write it down as a quote metal success okay <laughs> that's brilliant but, but really like how do you how do you take i mean first of all how does a metalhead like end up doing something that's got so much math involved and then after that how do you take the interest that you have in the very very small f- physics if that makes sense very concentrated physics and then also have this interest in physics on a on a on a sort of universal uh, uh, perspective, like the metaphysical level. That was more like uh, I won't say destiny. It was uh, something I have been growing into during the the last ten years. I would say um, when we started the band in two thousand two, we just figured that all of those uh, you know zombie slashing serial killer um, lyrics don't fit to our kind of music, and at that point I try to figure out something that's a little bit of yeah far away from that topics and uh, somehow i ended 15 yeah 14 years later where we are right now in somewhere between astrophysics philosophy and uh, well religious thoughts so i i don't know where, where there was the reason i mean there are a couple of artists that had their share of influencing me but in terms of lyrics i guess i'm just getting older sorry (laughs) (laughs) your education began with lyrics (laughs) well (laughs) that would be easy to say now um we read a couple of books in school and um i visited a couple of very good schools over here some very bad schools as well so (laughs) i moved like 17 times when i was younger due to different reasons and i had different insights and i later on well, joined uh, the university, visited a university studying uh, media technology as a bachelor, um, focusing more on uh, audio-video production, and later on I made a master in uh, psychoacoustics, and uh, also specialized in audio production, and somehow 
many of my friends have been interested in the, in the same topics. And, well, a couple of friends, for example, doing awesome music. Uh, the guys from Dark Fortress are into this, uh, those topics. Uh, the guys from Fulkandra, especially the, the drummer, is absolutely into it. And, uh, you know, we have uh, some kind of the, the European NASA department close to my house. It's like uh, 20 minutes from here, and there are a lot of, a lot of people who are listening to metal and have like a PhD <laughs> in their pocket as well, and you see them completely drunk going crazy in Munich. So it, it's like a scene well, over here. You're slumming it by talking to us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just up, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what I, fi- I find amazing because, I mean, you know, um, you know, from an American death metal perspective, you think of hammer beat and blood, you know, that sort of thing. It's a little more just kind of aggro than it is uh, than it is kind of heady and it's really interesting to see uh, see a different side of it and be and it and it work very effectively a lot more existentially and there's so many things like that so i guess the question is is that are these things that you think about just in general like like you said sitting around at a party hanging out with people and you're talking about the 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 beginning of the universe kind of thing and and want want to explore that musically because of that kind of thing that's a good question. Uh, usually at parties, we talk about everything but uh, philosophy or uh, universes. <laughs> 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 no, pretty hard to explain, to be honest. Um, there, there are a couple of friends who are pretty much into the topic uh, I share idea, ideas with, um, especially the singer of Dark Fortress, for example, but I don't have a real explanation for it. It's somehow... It, was there and uh, i have been growing into those topics somehow uh dissection with their anti-cosmic satanism have been well somewhere a start that was in 2006 i guess i uh, i read all of those lyrics uh, i read a couple of books and then i thought the lyrics are complete crap and well somehow i developed my my own view on most of the things I crossed the 30, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, in a recent interview, I think you said this was the first time on this record that you were really happy with the lyrics that you produced. Is that, is that true? I mean, is, is this the first time that you feel, like, confident in exactly what you, what you put out this time? Yes, um, that's true, but due to various reasons. First of all, I'm not a native speaker, kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, second, on the previous album... I think the value of the lyrics was also pretty interesting and almost on the same level as Akras's, but it was uh, um, more a problem of the syntax of the whole, of, of the structure of the, of the lyrics. It was uh, more like a prosaic written instead of lyrics, so there was no groove, there was no, no rhymes or anything, and this was pretty ambitious uh, to put on a technical death metal record, to be honest, and uh, it, it sounds a little bit too progressive in my opinion and this time on Akrasis I, I uh, didn't try to focus on just one book and, and try to you know um, translate one book into into those lyrics put it onto uh, onto an album um, and try basically forcing it to work this time I just played around sometimes I, I changed a couple of words tried to, to keep the meaning and um, it was way easier for me to to find the groove. And from my perspective, it's more fluent in, in terms of uh, rhymes, in terms of groove. And it, it fits way better to, uh, to the whole album, in my opinion. And another thing is that um, the whole album is structured 
that each and every story is somehow based on each other. So all of those lyrics are linked in between. And I try also to, to answer a couple of questions I, I asked with the previous two records. So it's pretty nerdy, I know, but um, <laughs> I, I love to play around with that. And um, to be honest, I take a pretty long time to to translate everything from this old-fashioned German, like uh, old language, into into English because um, some words are, are pretty funky and sometimes have a double uh, double meaning mm -hmm. to it. And uh, if you then put in some some false friends it can be very funny for every native speaker <laughs> reading it so we have a couple of uh, a couple of people reading it uh, through and and double checking that nothing is nothing's wrong and in the end i have to be uh, straight i'm very happy with the lyrics i hope it's not too abstract but in the end you know we are a tech dev or progressive death metal band whatever you may call it and most of the people like 90% don't care about the lyrics. They just see, okay, cool, yeah. planet on the cover, thing sing, the guy sings <laughs> about something I don't understand, but this reading and sweeps are killer. That, that kind of begs the question, though, then why don't you write in your native, native language if it doesn't really, you know I mean? Because they, then you sort of force a listener to translate if they wanted to. <laughs> um, I guess no one would ever do that, except no? your Rammstein. And mm, I don't feel very comfortable with uh, singing about that in German, that would sound like, you know, like a lesson for my professors. <laughs> uh, I can see that. I can see that. It it it, 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 it does have a particular timber to it. It, it, it it's a it is a little sharper language. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know all of the bad jokes. We have been touring with Americans, and we had to eat that every day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so not to like you know nerd out too much here. But like I so saw a couple of weeks ago, I'm reading about Peter Higgs and the Higgs boson and about how they didn't know that that particle existed in the universe in space until they first saw its effect. So it was a theory that it existed based on the effect it was having. And so when you think about physics in music, oftentimes you must be seeing the effects of something happening and then you've got to sort of then go backwards and figure out what's causing it rather than vice versa because you hear something different. Is that, is that sort of how that works? Well, well talking about psychoacoustics some, somehow, yeah. Um, but it's, it's such a huge topic. I don't know where, where to start exactly right now. Mm. Um, basically, you, you, sometimes you hear things that are not there, but you hear it because your uh, brain builds up the missing frequencies. Um, the easiest example, for example, easiest example for example that's very nice um is uh the old phone connections uh if you, if you remember in the in the 80s calling someone uh, you had you had a very very thin signal and actually this signal was uh in terms of frequencies so far away from uh having including all of the frequencies you need to um to understand everything but the human ear and the brain somehow builds up the, the missing frequencies by itself it's some some kind of a frequency shell you you build by yourself, and this is um, very interesting when it comes to psychoacoustics. Uh, for example, how to how to compress music these days. It's all based on that idea. For example, how to how to compress MP3s, AACs, FLACs, all of those compressed files, where you actually take away many many frequencies and many many to a lot of tonal information, but 
somehow most of the kids still think okay this is the best the best production uh, production ever and it sounds perfect but actually it's like 10 percent of what you recorded and uh what is there in in an audio file like in a WAF. so you're saying you're file. saying that m- my massively awesome brain is filling in so much of that sonic information that like to me it sounds just as great as it does to poor chuck on vinyl when he's got all the information <laughs> kind of and sometimes it also uh just ignores some information <laughs> if that helps <laughs> if, if um, some frequencies especially the high frequencies uh, are a little bit louder than lower frequencies you your brain usually simply ignores the the lower frequencies that was uh, a big part uh, how fraunhofer invented the the mp3 mm. um compressing and they, they simply cut it out and no one ever recognized it. So stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting. And um, uh, having a, a proper scientific measurement of all of this, this is the, the big question, how to do that within the next years and the next 10 years, 20 years. Um, very interesting topic. And uh, I, I hope there's some room at the university to, to get a little bit deeper into that in the future. So Stefan, you, you agree with me then that probably most bands could just get rid of the bassist and everybody's brains would just fill in that information and we'd be okay that's why all the bassists just play eight notes (laughs) (laughs) i mean humans are natural pattern recognizers like we see patterns when patterns don't happen so that must also contribute to the same way that we hear music as well no sometimes you hear music you get influenced by the visual aspect. You get influenced by your your mood, and uh, there's so much, so much in. For example, a couple of black metal bands have a, a super bizarre aura, and um, if you break it down, if you take away all the, the so to say, the magic from from the image, uh, you have like four kids playing in a garage. But if you if you keep the magic, you think okay, this is the biggest production, and it's so weird and whatever. So it, it, there's a lot of imagination in it, and well, sometimes it's better not to know what actually happened. Right, that's the be- best review of the new Abath album. I've heard yet, so thank you. <laughs> actually, the new Abath album kills. It actually does. I know. I know. I'm just making. <laughs> well, so I mean, do you do you think about that? I mean, we've talked to somebody in the past so when they when they think about how music plays in a particular room, whether it's a uh, if it's a large room, if you're playing fast, a lot of time that can be a problem because of reverberation off the back of the room and how things work. Like this fast music is meant to be played in a small confined area because it, because of the way that the BPM r- reflects inside the room. More expansive music, things that are a little bit larger, play better in a bigger room. Do you think about things like that as far as psychoacoustically when you're writing music, or is that something that the effect comes afterwards where you like think about? And, I mean, is that all part of it, or is it just something that happens when you're writing? First of all, it's, uh, I, I don't think about it when uh, writing music, but uh, when we are starting to think about producing the album, that's a big topic, mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty cool that you that you um, ask about that, since uh, compared to the previous album, I thought when it comes to to uh, room acoustics and especially the dynamic range of a, of our album production, um, I thought the previous album lacked a lot of a lot of dynamics, especially within the drums. So what we did this time is uh, we hired. Uh, 
at an external studio that had a huge room, Dream Sound Studios in Munich, they're called. They're usually recording like jazz trios or like, it's, it's a big room where you can record even a full string ensemble mm-hmm. or like a full band. And we, we recorded the, the drums there. So what we did is um, putting in a double overhead microphonation with uh, very, very expensive uh, condensator ma- microphones. And we used this room uh, micros to work within the mix. And what you mentioned is um, when you're playing, for example, very, very fast stuff, and it's quite obvious, we are a tech death band that happens most of the time, um, you don't need those overhead mics. So we left them apart, but especially in the silent parts, if you push them into the mix, then the, the sun is shining. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, you have way, way different color within the mix. And this is something I'm absolutely thinking about. And the same goes for uh, the amps, for example. Talking about psychoacoustics, um, a friend of mine made uh, his uh, PhD about the, you know comparing digital amps to tube amplifiers. And, well, it's it's a very, it's a thick book in the end, but it's very, very interesting and it opened the eyes for a lot of people over here um, that uh, a tube amplifier, for example, is um, working like a dynamic instrument instead of a, 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 a linear working digital amp. It tries to you know, um, getting a little bit of this this vibe, but uh, you cannot reproduce uh, tube saturation. That's um, there are a lot of question marks within uh, calculating all this. This is uh, it's just natural. This is making this um, organic organic natural sound, and also especially in the brilliance uh, the brilliance frequencies uh, above, let's say 12, 12, 14,000 hertz. Um, there's actually the, the the human ear having troubles especially when you're old and visited hundreds of metal shows um everything above 20,000 hertz uh, you cannot officially hear like that's the that's the so to say mm-hmm. uh, the standard but those tube amplifiers they get this and they are able to uh produce those kind of frequencies those extremely high frequencies and somehow you're not hearing it but you're feeling the frequencies and this is where we are at the psychoacoustics and this is something i definitely think about when we are recording a new album and that's uh, it's so that it's so interesting must be how my wife talks to me i can't hear her i can feel it yeah <laughs> she's in the higher frequency <laughs> <laughs> well and, and i love the idea that you know, I mean, a lot of people go on and on about about analog and, and all this and the way that it sounds, it's different and, you know, vinyl versus digital and all that. But to me, when you're talking about what, what you're referencing, tube amplifiers versus solid state, when a solid state amplifier is produced, it's produced the same way every time and it's kicked out, uh, kicked off a line. A tube amplifier is generally the same, but the age of it, what's been played through it, it's got a different degra- degradation to it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's characteristic ch- change over time, you know, based on, based on the life of whatever that tube is inside it. And it can change everything, which is such a neat flavor to add to anything. And that's got to be a lot of fun to play with and examine. <laughs> uh, I know what you're talking to, uh, <laughs> talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, there are pros and cons about uh, both systems. I mean, I, I know many, many la- uh, bands that use, for example, an XFX or Camper, uh, the common digital amps uh, in a live situation because they usually don't break 
and True. barely barely have any trouble. And as you as you mentioned, they reproduce the the same sound every day. Yep, it yep. works for the live situation, perhaps even easier. But I still stick to my tube amplifier, and uh, I'm old again. And to be honest, when I change the tubes of an amplifier, um, in the amplifier itself, I don't hear a big difference. But uh, the preamps sometimes, sometimes sound different. That's that's true. That's true. But well, that's something I have to go to go through. I, I think no one ever in the audience will ever hear a difference if you have new or old tubes. Let's say if they are not completely broken and the amp is off. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, most likely. I mean, I had a guy who could tell who could tell which direction the cable was run uh, by the windings. He's like, nope, that cable's backwards. He could hear it somehow, and I never, never understood how it was possible. But he uh, could, he could identify it every single time. Is he gambling? I would. <laughs> <laughs> right no it's uh eric johnson i don't know if he's a guitar player and i mean like he could he could nail it every single time wow see that would drive me crazy doesn't it drive you crazy like i i'm quite happy with my ignorance about how things sound you know i can <laughs> you know what i mean it's like i i don't hear that flub that uh you know what's his name the drummer of, of van halen made during that one song in the second verse where he missed the snare he didn't quite hit it exactly the same and that doesn't bother me i'd be afraid if i knew this stuff that i'd hear it and i'd hear all the mistakes it would drive me nuts well there's a big difference if you just hear um music from an analytic point of view or if you're just going to show it and have a good time and don't care about a mistake <laughs> so and uh, i prefer just go to a show have a good time with friends meeting people um have a few drinks and watching a good live band instead of uh, sitting there with a calculator and say ah oh, at the 16 bar i think he uh, he didn't hit the, the last the last note correct something like that that so, seems and seem that that seems kind of, sort of. I mean, not not watching a show, but I mean, as far as playing a show, you want to make sure that everything is is kind of perfect, right? I mean, because especially technical death metal, you want to make sure that everything is spot on, you know. Versus, but at the same time, you want that that organic feel sort of in it as well. Because I mean, especially this new record, it is it feels a lot more organic than than a lot of technical death metal that that's out nowadays and may, that may be production value the way that it's produced but i mean i think that i sense that that's on purpose well talking about the life situation i think uh we are we are not a jazz band we are not staying around uh, watching our instruments and uh well sitting at the drum riser playing everything so if you're jumping around if you if you really make a show pff, mistakes can happen and that's life so if if somehow um, you you find a middle way in between having a very good show, playing tight, and well, have, um, accepting here and there a mistake, that's totally fine. But um, it it should be somewhere somewhere on on the way that that everybody is happy. Like it, the audience should be happy and go home with a smile and think, okay, this is fucking awesome. We should have a a good time on stage. But um, 
if you're just playing crap, it's no fun for anyone. When you look at like the way bands are, you've got almost every band's got two guitarists and one bassist and one drummer, and all the guitars look kind of like each other and are shaped all in kind of the right way. The basses are all the basses all the same. By the the, dr- the bass drum is always about the same size, the snare, etc., etc. Is there anything that when you look at these instruments or you look at how band lineups are set up and think? this is just a paradigm that needs to be blasted because it would sound different at, and maybe better or at least just different if it was done this way, a, a, a different way, sonically, physically, as far as the physics of it are concerned. To be honest, no. I, I don't see a point uh, to change that. I mean, there are bands playing as a four-piece, as, as an eight-piece, doesn't matter, but... Um, Let's say this: uh, if a band is playing with only one guitar, I'm missing somehow the the, the harmonies between the guitars. If a band is playing three guitars or four guitars, it usually usually sounds like crap. So, uh, um, as you as you said, it's uh, like a paradigm how bands are built up in in terms of um, drums, bass, two guitars, singer. But I don't see any necessity to to change that at all. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were just about to segue to the talking about the album there, and I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, don't don't worry. Yeah, talking about the album, um, how how to play this stuff live, and uh, well, we had a couple of experiences during the during the last tours with the extremely fast stuff, and uh, when when you're playing above uh, 240 BPM, I thought everything the audience is getting is like something close to white noise um, because the PA is simply not not able to, to reproduce everything in uh, in time. And even if you're playing as a pretty tight band, it just doesn't sound that good. So what I wanted to do is um, stepping a little bit down from the speed, only a, only a tiny bit, and focusing a little bit more on the rhythmic section. And this is relating to the live show. So... I think the live shows will sound better because we stepped a little bit back, only back to 230 BPM. So we're we're not going the Opeth way with Boof Chuck, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is also a good band. But um, we are not, uh, we will not become a, become a um, a mid tempo band or anything like that. I, I just want to keep everything a little bit more interesting and focus on the strengths within the live situation. This is very know. important to me because some of the, the, the last songs, um, they work on the album very well. And also on the previous album, there are two songs that are very nice to listen to on CD, but live, it's very hard to reproduce everything with two guitars. And, uh, well, it's some stuff is so fast, it's simply not made to be played live, in my opinion. But it's my personal mm. opinion. I don't know, only like 230 BPM. That sounds like a, you know, that's poser, man. You know, whatever. <laughs> what, could you slow. design a PA system that would be the right system right for playing over 250? But then your room acoustics and everything else affect it, just like I was talking about before. Well, if you could bring our own club and our own PA system right. to every show, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then then it might work somehow. But uh, we are not the size. Uh, we are not at that size that we can bring our own. Uh, mixing desk, for example, every time we always have to deal, except we're playing headliner shows with the technique that is there. Yeah. And, uh, well, then you rather keep it simple, but it works. Mm-hmm. 
in my opinion. So we have our own crew and they're very reliable people. But um, if it comes to technique and you have only 15 or 20, maximum 20 minutes of changeover, you don't want to don't want to start uh, changing a desk. Yeah. 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 No kidding, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not to speak it's about the PA system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you a question that's sort of like non like sonic physics related? Like <laughs> he's like, please. It, it, no, I mean, is that, is that okay? All right. So you, you've got like fifteen X members of Obscura. So with the guys that are currently in the band, do they have to wear name tags? <laughs> we actually made some worker shirts with the names on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but really, um, I mean, how do you go through fifteen guys like that? That's crazy. Yeah, it's fourteen years. There's a difference of one year. I know, um, but we can fix that. Well, um, the band started in in two thousand two when we all have been teenagers, and as teenagers, you you change your mindset within every couple of weeks, I would say. And mm-hmm. some people simply haven't been interested in playing a band after one year um some just wanted to try out in the beginning but personally for me obscura is my very first band i ever founded and i still stick to it and within the years life changed for everyone um a couple of years later when for example when we started uh, to record our debut album and uh, had our our first tours um we all have been in the age where you decide if you're either going to study if you're going to work if you move somewhere and um that costed us three members in the end Mm. and the biggest the biggest change we had when this whole band started to become more serious and well we signed to relapse records 2008 and then we started to tour like like crazy we played around 150 160 shows per album and this is seriously something i First of all, I love it. I love to travel. I love to do it. But at the same time, we haven't been able to make a living out of music back then. So doing double duties with touring, recording, and uh, also working full-time or studying full-time, over a couple of years, this well has its share of problems in the end. And uh, the latest big um, lineup change we had was in 2014 when... I would say we have been a little bit burned out after four years of constant touring, recording albums, and and you know the dimension private private survival trip to work, study, and um, getting our lives together. And when we started again to write music, we somehow had different opinions in mind how we are starting again and how we are handling the band and. Also, the music would have been a, a problem. The guitarist back then had a, um, uh, he was sick. Uh, his left hand wasn't working perfectly. He couldn't use his middle finger and index finger uh, 100%. Um, it's called uh, focal dystonia. It's like a nerve problem. And he lost interest in touring at all. And um, it was pretty close that um, we may have ended the band, but I found a couple of new very cool people and especially Linus Klausnitz the the bassist who plays with the band since 2011 stick to the band wrote a couple of songs and you know together we brought the ship back on track but 
this is the short version of 14 years of uh, band history and I'm not very proud of uh, 14 band members 15 band members in the end yeah. but is there anybody who who like either left or w- departed in a really like cool and interesting way? I would imagine out of fifteen, at least one like you know like spontaneously combusted or something cool like that. You know, one simply said uh, he is taking heroin right now, and a couple of weeks later he was staying in front of a train and was killed. Oh, whoa! I knew there'd be one. Oh, that's that's gnarly. Yeah, oh. yeah. Actually, it was a good friend of mine, but somehow he went into a into the wrong direction of life. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. To hear, oh, I'm sorry mm. to hear that. But that's, that's the one so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so how are you able to? Because uh, I mean, you're teaching obscura, Fulcandra. I mean, you've got so many different things that are going on with touring and everything else. How are you able to balance all that stuff in your life, like in your personal life, and keep the keep things as is true to what you're talking about because i mean it's it's obviously it's obscura for sure is your thing same thing with the Lacondra, right yeah but um between the, the two bands there's a big difference oh um, totally i'm i totally but i'm just thinking as far as like w- you, what you have in mind like if it's got to be you seem to be kind of the mastermind right well i'm, I'm the driving force not yeah. the mastermind i would say so um we we are still working as a band with Tulkandra, for example. We uh, we haven't had a lineup change within the last eight years. We recorded three albums in a row, so it's it's pretty easy to work with me, actually. <laughs> if, if you're talking about that, well, no, 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 I'm I'm just thinking about I'm I'm really thinking about like the balance in your life. Like, how are you able to really f- focus and balance and and keep things uh, keep things moving forward? I mean, I know that this record is five years on or four four and a half five years on from the last album. You know, which seems like a long time since it was what only like two in between the other ones. That that's that's a lot of weight, and as you said, you know, getting older, all that stuff too. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on there. How do you keep it all straight and not go I insane? Finished, uh, I finished university, worked for two years uh, at the university there as a lab engineer, but I stopped working there in uh, in March this year, and I only keep two courses like uh, once a week. Mm. And I'm focusing completely on Obscura. And Tulkandra is uh, completely limited to at least one tour a year because mm. uh, the three other guys are working full-time, regularly. And uh, we basically simply pick up festivals or mini-tours we like or uh, where we know the promoters and we, we think it's a, it's a good idea to play there. So it's nothing we have to do, we just want to do. And, well... With Obscura, let's see how how the new album turns out, and uh, perhaps I end up being a well full time musician. <laughs> it's the stupid, awesome. most stupid thing you can do these days. But uh, who knows if it doesn't work? <laughs> uh, so, all right, one last question yeah. that that's non like physics and well, it's kind of <laughs> physics related. When you're picking up a girl at the bar, does it generally impress them more to say that you're the singer of a band or have a master's degree? Um, that's a tricky one. Um, does does the master's degree did. thing generally turn into relationships, but the singer thing generally turns into a one-night stand? I mean, how does that work out? Uh, usually they think I'm the merchandise dude, and uh, I don't have written on my on my head that I have a master degree or anything. Actually, no one is interested in that at all, which is fine. I mean, it has nothing to do with, uh, with the band, basically. 
Sorry, it's a very boring answer. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have thought that one would work in one country and another would work in another, and then one co- yeah. one country you got to say, "I know I'm the guitarist, not the you know, not the vocalist." You know, different ones work in different places. Oh, by the way, I'm playing fretless bass. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the one you have <laughs> these days. You know, times change. <laughs> uh, I don't want to know what country that is. That's uh, Stefan, thank you very much for spending so much time with us. We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Definitely, man. The uh, new album is awesome. Looking forward to everybody uh, getting uh, the, the full listen to it here very soon. Thank you very much for the kind words, and I hope we can meet at the United States if we figure out our visa issue. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, Do you have like a crime in your past that screwed everything up? Uh, no one of us has, and it seems ah. to be a big problem these days. I just read, actually, on your side that uh, even Cradle yeah. Filth uh, were not allowed yep. to go into the country, the ocean, and yeah, a couple of other bands. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but I hope it's yeah, there's a there's a way to figure it out. And you didn't join ISIS, you. did you? <laughs> See, you figured uh, that the I'm guys in Cradle of Fifth definitely uh. have criminal records somehow, <laughs> no, no, you know? Prog rock, I love it. All right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, prog metal is a, it's a flag. Uh, Stefan, thank Thanks, you so Stephan. much, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, thank you for the time and the cool interview. Have a nice evening and see you in, in the States, I hope.
Growing up doesn't mean you need to outgrow heavy metal. And now for discerning metalheads everywhere, there's a podcast just for you. Metal Brainiac is the smartest half hour in heavy metal. There's no beer or bro talk, and we leave Satan at the door as we dive into serious conversations with top metal artists. We dig into the creative process and explore the challenges of expression when people can't make out the lyrics. I'm Matt Pikin, the host of Metal Brainiac, and you can find us every week on iTunes and wherever you find your favorite podcasts and also at MetalBrainiac.com. Terrified!
Metal Sucks Podcast brought to you by Creative Live. If you want to learn how to record music, check out our friends at Creative Live. they got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, taught by your favorite artists, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger, Between the Bear and Me, our favorite E.L. Levy, all kinds of different people teaching over there at creativelive.com slash audio. Learn more and watch some pre-free uh, previews. Yeah, free previews at creativelive.com. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for uh, supporting the Metal Sucks Podcast. That's all right there. Darkest Hour covering uh, Judas Priest Painkiller Score. You can find that for free. Hunt that sucker down because that was like a gift to fans um i don't know what for maybe for the holidays or something but it's an awesome cover from the darkest hour and i wanted to play you that one because of course we've got another edition of the sadist nation with mike schleibaum sadist nation 80 percent of public perception is image not what you right. say there are white folks and then there are ignorant motherfuckers like you politics we will never have the elite smart people on our side if all that were proven true i think that would be a very serious offense religion make sure you carry your bible with you and your woman the only thing standing between us and savages it's the red white and blue topics and issues concerning all metalheads you betcha who diddly i am as conservative as all get out this shit's getting way too complicated for me the sadist nation with mike schleibaum so time for another Sadist Nation with our, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. insider, Mike Schleibaum, dude. Welcome back to the show, man. Thank you for uh, coming back to the Metal Sucks podcast. What's up? I'm calling you. I've, I've built an igloo in my backyard. <laughs> um, it's badass. We have Wi-Fi. Is it on um, Airbnb yet, though? It's not. We're not Airbnb in this thing, dude. We, we got stuff to do in here, you know? We got uh write an album in this thing and uh, possibly watch some Netflix on our iPad. Uh, I saw somebody had put an igloo up, and they were talking about the flat screen TV, and it was just an iPad that had been stuck sideways into the snow. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you know, this really depends on what your opinion of a screen is nowadays." But uh, it kind of works. Anyway, I'm in the igloo, and uh, I watched a lot of elections. I'm reading a lot of crazy shit on the internet, so basically fired up to talk shit. I know, right? Maybe fifteen people will listen to, but hey. <laughs> well, I think we gotta. So first, we gotta talk about the election, obviously, because we wanted to wait until after the debate that Trump missed and all that stuff. So we gotta talk about that. We gotta talk about the Democratic side with uh, Bernie and Hillary and what's going on there. But also, uh, we gotta talk about the elephant in the room as far as uh, what's happened this week with the video of Phil and Selmo and hmm. you know what just happened with uh, the video of Rob Flynn coming out and all this stuff and the racist uh, hmm. white power remarks that we saw. <laughs> from dime bash that happened during yeah. nam last week and that you know we can tie it Which all together at, yeah i was not at the dime bash because we've been over like was not able to use my vip status enough to guilt trip anybody in machine head or people <laughs> that i would know to get me on that guest list oh tommy from prong or should have tried him i know he played but basically i couldn't get into that i was busy you know partying over uh i went I don't think it was Zach Wild, but we did a bunch of Nam stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Well, let's start there. Let's start with the with Phil and Selmo and and, and talk about that. Oh, you it's, want to start there? I think we start there yeah. and we'll get into the we'll get into the, the politics right, well, part of this because right, I think it ties together, up, right? We were we we were going to talk politics, which we we do, and yeah. then I mentioned that I I had just flipped on my phone. Just like a zombie, like we all do, and there and there, there's Rob Flynn talking about Phil Anselmo. And I've read about this Seek Hale thing, but I've done tours with uh, Super Joint Ritual. We did the 2004 Ozfest. You know, uh, spent a lot of time around 
his camp, what you could, you know, whatever you are around at Ozfest, you know, and and it, it interests me, you know what I mean? Like I love Pantera, like, and I love heavy metal, and so I'm like, oh, what is he doing now? You know, because I I've seen Phil and Tom do a lot, you know, I've seen him puke all over himself in Pittsburgh at the Ozfest. I saw him turn the entire crowd against himself in Jones Beach when he got tried to get everybody to chant Pantera's Dead, and you know. I thought it was kind of like a punk rock masterpiece at first. Like, whoa, like, this dude's managed to piss everybody off in this arena. He's he's a fucking killer villain, you know? But this video and stuff, it's interesting. I'm sure, I don't know how many, many people listening have seen it, but obviously you can go view it. And um, it's nothing new that Phil Anselmo does, this Nazi salute. He's done it for years. You see it in all the video. I mean... Obviously, the evidence is out there, and then there's just Rob's comments, kind of like his story, which I I can't take away because it's obviously is he keeps it so real and tells it the way he does. Like, really, people should hear the story delivered from him. Yeah, you know. But I, I, you know, the other thing that pulled me in is I we've done almost a hundred shows with Machine Head, and you know, to see somebody that in that position step out of you know their they're, I don't want to, it's not an ivory tower, but it's a position of comfortability. He doesn't have to, he doesn't need any promotion. You know, yeah. Rob Flynn, this is probably worse for them to just be in, it's probably worse for me to be talking about it. It's <laughs> probably not good for anybody, like, because you don't want to do anything polarizing. You just need fans. But but, but that's kind of, that's, his, that. that's the whole point, though. That's kind of the point he was making, is that, is that it is polarizing, but at the same time, if we don't address... Kind no, of, it has to be said, yeah. and that's why it was like, fuck, I need to post something right now that I remember it was an honor to have toured Machine Head, because, you know, they put on a fucking badass concert, and this dude keeps it real as fuck. He's just in his living, you know, his hotel room, fucking with, the, with one camera angle, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's what I think, and it takes it, and what I love is, like, I come from, you know, the hardcore punk world that the band that I'm in started, like, you got off the stage and you walked right off the stage and then there you were and you talked like eye to eye with the dude who was just in the front row, yeah. you know? And like then his band probably got on stage and played. And like the way Rob kind of just did that, it kind of just made me feel like that. It made, and, and I don't, and in a modern way, it kind of just made me feel like he was a real ass dude being like, whoa. And also should be said, like just stop fucking with the legacy of Pantera, man. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> Stop. It's so fucking bad because it, it makes people feel terrible. And, you know, those musics are encapsulated, that music's encapsulated in that time. It's a lot more than just one dude's opinion. And, you know, it's a shame to see it just drug, drug in the mud with this craziness. You know? Yeah. I mean, come on. Coming out against racism, that shit is like the 70s. Yeah. Or like the 80s <laughs> or 60s. It's fucking 80s if you're in South Africa. We just played there and. We we learned a lot, like about the struggle of the people building that country, and it puts a big impression in your brain. We're like, whoa! Every nation state that you look at is built on blood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, you, it's really easy to be critical of America, and then you go to some places and you go, "Fuck!" There's a lot of blood on these people's hands too, and you know, it's it's recent, and the scars are, are deep, and they are here, but you know. And until you've been to South Africa, 
you don't realize the true difference of, of the problems there and here, you know? And, and once you've got that all in your brain, you've been to Mandela's birthplace, you've, you've learned about the massacres that happened to get people to change their life there. You come back, you go to Nam, some dude's sea cowling and yelling white power, dude. It's like, it's not like he's making it subtle. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the white the, wine you know, joke. Yeah, that obviously did not fly. Yeah, the, Are you the excuse. Kidding me? No, not even close. Right, dude. Yeah. All right, let uh, in a minute. I, I, I mean, there's a way better excuse we could just make up right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like right now, you're 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 his publicist. What the fuck was he really saying? Make something <laughs> up. Go. Like he was fucking around with his kid earlier that day, who was giving him a hard time about being racist. And he's saying he wasn't racist, and so he thought it'd be funny to just be the opposite because, you know, that's cool now. So, I mean, dude, that's about as bullshit as a white wine joke, mm. you know? And uh, I don't know. Anyway, and I don't it, really think there's any more time to waste on the subject well, in that sense other than to say bands coming out on the front saying how they feel and also, like, kind of owning up to, like, dude, you know, look, people have been after Slayer. For their imagery sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Lyrics. You know, fuck, they got a song about this Nazi guy that kills people. But it's different, right? Well, the biggest problem I have with it is is sort of that argument that um, that people make about, like, football players or sport, any sports stars. So if they do drugs or if they do, you know, uh, HCG or whatever, you know, to try to get bigger. And it's like, by the way, you're not just a sports star. You're a role model. There are very few like huge role models in metal that, that mm-hmm. are bigger than somebody like uh, Phil Anselmo. And that's I li- not fair. I mean, as an artist, he's allowed to, you know, no, I'm, he's I mean, totally a lot allowed. Of people look at me and go, dude, you shouldn't do the shit you're doing. Cause you're a role model. And then I have to like check myself internally and go, well, there's a person, there's a certain part of my life, my lifestyle, who I am, that doesn't jive with being a normal person. That makes me kind of a fucked up person, you know, fucked up individual. I mean, that's just being real with you. And, like, you know, if if you're kind of that fucked up dude, you know, I'm allowed to be that person. I'm especially allowed to be it in my art. The, well, yeah. the difference is that, like, it's not necessarily that he's a role model. It's more that, like, if you read those lyrics, if you look at what he's saying, he sort of had, like, some twisted philosophy where it didn't seem like that. Mm. You know? I mean, there's a lot of Pantera lyrics. I mean, live in a hole. It's pretty... Seems pretty anti-racist if you interpret it the way that I interpreted when I was a kid. Rise felt the same way too. Yeah, but when, but but everything's in context. You know what I mean? Yeah. You hear it, you see it, and then you go on stage, and then the dude's decaling and possibly screaming white power at you in a room where there's like twenty to eighty iPhones. Like, what impression are you as an artist, Dylan Zama? What impression are you supposed to? Do you think you're giving us, you know, is what I would ask. If it's not part of what you're saying, if you're not going to apologize for it, or if it's not part of what you, is in your mind, if you're definitely not quote unquote racist, then why even do it in the first place? If it's an inside I mean, joke, as he said, you know, it's like, that doesn't I make mean, any sense. The thing that really gets me is don't call me the fucking, you know, PC police or some fucking weird shit or like that. I'm wasting my time. Cause this is like, this is music. This is art. These are thoughts. When you when you sing these songs, when you when you hear people's lyrics, they get in your head, you know. And I do believe that you can 
you know, if you, if you, if you repeat something like a mantra, it can affect the way that you think. And in general, I would say that like having this situation where you're not really sure how to interpret the lyrics based on the way the guy's acting, you know, it fucks up with the legacy of an amazing band. And I think that's the thing that really everybody can unify. Even if you're, if you're on the side where you think that I'm from Washington, D.C., and that I've been to too many Fugazi shows, that's fine, you know? <laughs> or if you're on the other side where you're like, well, this dude's fucking has been on Victory Records, and that's kind of lame, but I do agree with what he's saying. <laughs> Either way, you can, everyone who can agree is a Pantera fan, like, this is a bummer, and it's, 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 it's not going to go away. It's pretty fucking obvious, <laughs> you know what I mean? And Rob putting it out there and having the guts to speak his heart is, is honestly, to me, uh, a, a, a selfless act. It's pretty awesome. It feels weird that nowadays, in, in 2016, that anti-racism, like, you have to defend that. You know, like the like the people are worried about saying, you know, well, it's bad. It, it, we, yeah, and I don't know. That seems like a weird place to be well, in. And I think this is kind of what ties into the Republican yeah, and, and debate, exactly. and some of the stuff that's going on on the national national stage with Donald Trump and some of that stuff. You know, when we're talking about not letting Muslims into the country, when we're talking about not letting Mo- Mexicans cross the border, and and I think that sort of rhetoric and non PC uh, part of it is is damaging to like everybody's psyche like all the way through well as a white man 38 you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. got it all i'm with you i'm a a white blonde of gifts i am yes i know does self-identify as a feminist though you know either regardless as a white male uh who has it all i can say that um it is interesting to see the rise a very very loud rise of uh of a strange backlash that, that you know, in, in a lot of ways, Donald Trump's ideology is almost like, it's like a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. Yeah. Like, you have so many candidates. I watched two debates. You know, actually, I, I, I listened to one on the radio, but, like, either way, there are so many candidates because, I believe, because the GOP just can't believe this dude's out front and they're waiting to, for him to really fuck up so then they, then they can pick, you know? Yeah. But also what's happening through all these soundboards is they're just workshopping what ideology is going to win. And you really saw some new, some new things come to play. And in, in, in my opinion, in this debate, fucking religion was out there. Yeah. Being played Chris Christie. Oh my God, this guy is on a war path against Planned Parenthood. And he is not, not only that, he's, he's fucking just trying to round up these, uh, pro-life, uh, voters, just trying to, let me just get them, let's just rally them up. You know, my mom, <laughs> my mother is an ex-Catholic nun. She was a, a, a nun for a decade. She is, um, you know, born again Christian and she's a one issue voter. And I know that when Chris Christie says that there's no bigger issue than, the be- death of a baby in a womb, yada yada. What he throws out there—that's just code for that. I'm your, I'm your man. Vote for me, mm-hmm. you know. And so you saw a little bit of that, but you, you definitely saw without Trump the ability of these people to really bring that religion in there. You yeah. know what I mean? And try to 
and, and I was, I was, it was, I was shocked. Like, this is scary. You know, every everybody that doesn't think that that Trump can be president, they should be scared because he has tactics. Like that move not going was smart. Yeah, and we're gonna wait to see how it pulls off. But you know, in the earliest of the Sadist Nation edition, back if anybody gives a shit to go listen, I said that Bernie Sanders had good ideas and he would he would drive a little bit of the democratic discussion, and that has happened. And I'm saying now, like fucking Trump, he's got a strategy, and not going meant that Ted Cruz looked like an idiot. He got beat up on more because no one wanted to beat up that the guy that wasn't there, and. He's out there today spending it like he raised all this money, right, for these grassroots people. And then they're on TV talking about what they're going to do with the money. Yep. So now all of a sudden he's on every 30 minutes. CNN's got another wounded warrior person from somewhere in some other state has got a caucus talking about how great this guy is. And they're great with it. They even go, well, I can't speak to Donald Trump's presidency race. All I know is that this money will go to real world things. And you're just like... You, this is the fucking best Trump ad that he, he needs bought all the time by giving the money away. And it's funny because guys and bands can see this fucking strategy because you do it with equipment people, you know? You get free shit and you fucking throw up your face in front of it. I mean, that's how Guitar World stays in business with ads. Like, and this worked. That, that like, raising that money and having all these, like, uh, people out there doing sound clips is owning the TV. And well, yeah, I mean, about the- there, there's nobody better to own the news cycle than the reality TV star. I mean, the guy knows how to own television. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, they didn't give, there was, they didn't give him a lot to work with as far as, like, this was the least, I think they were saying it was, like, one of the least watched debates, you know? Was it? I mean, and- uh, yeah, I think I think the ratings had come down or something like that. But But really, you know, and what I noticed about it the most was without him in the mix, all of the talking points for all of the candidates really kind of rose to the top versus uh, as much attacks. We saw the attacks on Cruz, uh, and they focused on him quite a bit. If anything, it was like the best debate ever for uh, Marco Rubio. Uh, oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, he he definitely, he's good. He looks like the prodigal son. Yeah. He talked, he, he, he's got, I mean. He's got the right talking points. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. He's a, he might be a real good look for vice president. Yeah. Okay. But uh, when you close your eyes, Ted Cruz talks the best. He's got the preacher's blood. He pauses his words, you know. And Chris Christie's believable, too. Uh, I mean, I want to say that, like, he did something where he, like, stood up to the teachers' union and shit in New Jersey, and I thought it was weird till I talked to some of my friends that live there. And, you know, he kind of, like, like, I don't know, won me over a long time ago with some weird things he did. And now he's out there just, like, can't believe the politician he is and like you see what people are willing to do to stay alive and stay in the caucus like they're willing to just really you have these fucking planned parenthood people on trial and in the first fucking debate you know uh they're talking about the videos like they're They're legit about that shit yeah i know then that's yeah can't believe that Uh, the week that they get indicted like that that was uh, yeah. yeah oh i know unbelievable Unreal. I mean, I thought about a lot about, like, you know, that while I was watching, I thought about, you know, obviously that we talked about this stuff on on the Internet. And one thing I kept thinking was, like, okay, like, a lot of people out there, they don't have time or they're not entertained by this or they're just pissed off about it. You know, like, 
my wife, we can't have the TV on because it angers her. And so every this is an entertainment to people. And right now they're why like why am I listening to heavy metal people <laughs> talk about entertainment? This is not. But the reality is that you it's know, not just entertainment. Music is pers- You know, music is personal, and the personal is political, and it's all it's all you know connected. And the, the songs that you love out there, I mean, they're not all just about love and hate. They're about real life and struggle and that's directly affected by what's happening. Also, you have an ideological warfare for, like, the direction of America, and really it's being played out. And if if people who are, you know, most of the people listening to this that are like-minded, you know, if you do jam one of the big four's albums, you probably could be rallied to reason, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of rednecks in that fan base, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I believe it, yeah, you know? Couple. I mean, maybe I need to make it more of like a progressive thing. Like if you, if you Let's go back like to that Pantera carpet, thing again, you know? I mean... <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, obviously, like, yeah. what? I don't know. But I encourage people to, like, go read those super joint rituals. Like, there's definitely a song about people who live in the Middle East, that's not very flattering. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And not, maybe that, like, is hip to some people, but you'll see the words he chooses to use in those songs. That's documented. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So th- there's proof. This is this is all really happening, you know? And it's kind of like, I'm in a shock. Pantera meant a lot to me as a musical oh. influence and to realize that, like, you know, and, and, and to let it go is, is hard, but coming from Washington, D.C. And, and knowing people who are punk rock icons who give a fuck about fame, you start to understand that that this is just, it's really sad how it's playing out, and it doesn't have to, yeah. you know, and that there are people, there are people who have, won the respect, the admiration, and the lifelong place in people's hearts with their music, who understand that it's better to disappear than fuck up the continued, you know, legacy of the band. And so I guess what I'm saying is if Phil Ensemble really thinks he's not racist, that's a problem. And if he is, you know, I would just say, yo, just just shut up. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Because it's only going to get worse. Like, there's no good way this can end. Me, t- you talking about it. So I'm going to lose a fan. Rob is going to lose a fan, and it shouldn't be like that because we're keep we're keeping it real. Like we're we're, we're saying that like we want a heavy metal concert to be a place that includes Everybody. all people. Yep. You know, because music music is a uniter. You know, and Rob's good at talking about that stuff at his shows and not making it seem made up and, and right there on the spot. It's like well thought out, but not too rehearsed. He's insightful in a short amount of time. The dude says what he needs to say. And when when you kind of like see a heavy metal concert like that, you're like, shit, fuck yeah, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say that I love this music. This is what I do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Crank up my fucking shit and roll down the window and tell someone to fuck off. You know what I mean? But it's like that comes with the price because now I'm, now I'm in, now am I in a subculture? You know what I mean? Am I part of something? Then... I am, then I can have a voice in it. Yeah, and also, I mean, I'm an artist, so I get to ha- I get to fucking say something. So I get to say that 
I'm inspired by Rob Flynn's honesty and disappointed by possibly Colin Sama's honesty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, exactly. That's a good point. Okay, so let's flip to the other side real quick. Let's go since um, uh, the the liberal side of this thing. Uh, we're going a little long here, but uh, but man, now we got well tied up, kids. We got well tied up. Yeah, now we only got two options: Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And we all know that you probably got opinions about Bernie Sanders, but look, man, nobody like Hillary Clinton was already president for eight years. That's my opinion (laughs) in the shortest amount of way I can say it. Like I, you know, I know how close my wife is to me, you know, and I know how close Hillary Clinton claims she is with Bill Clinton. So the reality is, she was there in heart, mind, and spirit even when he was fucking around on her. So I, even if she has great policy ideas, help out the American people somewhere else. We don't need you as our spokesperson. You're fucking tainted, man. You put out one too many bad albums. <laughs> we don't want to tour with you. Yep. We'd rather tour with this old band that's put out badass albums, has a lot of cool shit to say, and has a dire fan base that people are catching on to. And that's Bernie Sanders. The, you know? only, the only thing I fear about uh, about Bernie uh, is that he's going to die. Well, no, no, actually, actually, no. That's I've got fear. yeah, right. Well, now you got with uh, with everybody else who's fallen off in the rock world. But but I'm thinking about I'm thinking actually about like debate with somebody like if you wind up with somebody like Trump, how is that going to work? You know, he's done great. He's actually done really well in the in the Democratic debates against Hillary. But versus somebody that is that just repeats himself over and over again and doesn't actually have any substance. Uh, like, how is that going to play out? And how is somebody because and Ted Cruz is he is a master debater. He's actually really, at, really good yeah. at it. I I am scared of Trump. OK. Yeah. Anybody else? You run anybody else? And. You know, I just got to believe that America is the place that I live. You know, my neighborhood's awesome, okay? Walk out my door, I love all my neighbors. They know I fucking play heavy metal all night. I got a band practice every day of the week. There's always cars in my front yard, you know? They have not smoke in the front, smoke in the back by your deck. That's it. Little kids in the neighborhood come over, play on the instruments. That's where I live. Everybody's a different race. Everybody's a different age. Everybody does something different for a living. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where I live in Tacoma Park, Maryland, to me, feels like America. And that America is not about any of this bullshit. And I've been all over the U.S. on tour shitloads of time. And, I, and I've seen what I believe to be people that are here. And I just, Trump isn't our spokesperson. He, he's got a good pitch, which is I want to be greedy for America. I've been greedy for myself, but now I want to be greedy for America. And that's tempting because you're like, dude, I want a wolf on my side. But, you know, in reality, like, you know, you get a wolf on your side and all of a sudden you got a pack coming after you, you know, and I'd rather find somebody who's going to build bridges, you know, yeah. anybody. I know he's a deal maker, but, yeah, all I know is that dudes that get as successful as him, you know, when they make deals, they always come out on top, you know, and I'm looking for a deal maker who's looking for an equal deal. And that's who I believe Bernie Sanders is. I'm just fucking worried he's old as shit. <laughs> 74. If I could fucking make 65, I'll be stoked. Be so happy. This dude's a decade older than that, and he wants to be president for eight years. So, it's an honest worry, man. But I worry about that after he wins. Right. And it's hard because I don't want to, as an artist, I really never want to endorse a politician because I think they're all fucked. 
internally somewhere. But you've got to pick a side. And that's part of why we're wasting everybody's time making these heavy metal ad- attempts to listen to what we're talking about. Right. And, yeah. you know, and I feel these are hard these are hard topics for people to listen to guys that you might like in their fans or, you know, listen to people talk about. Because it's, like, going to be polarizing. But it's out there, man. We're talking about what's happening in heavy metal. And if you want to know about the last band that had a fucking double gatefold re-release of their 10-year-old album... You can read about that. But this is shit that's shaping the culture of what it feels like to be at a heavy metal show. And what people who don't know anything about heavy metal see. And I want them to feel like, fuck, dude, look at that fucking Scorpions concert. I want to go see that. <laughs> Not, look at those fucking idiots. Why would anybody like that, you know? And and the face has changed so much over the last twenty years. I mean, people look at look at us as a group completely differently than they used to. You know, when I was growing up, you know, I mean, it was a just even having a Metallica T shirt, you know, was was verboten. You know, it was there's you can't do that. And I think this, you know we've come a long way, sort of seeing. Yeah, we've this, won. We are we yeah. are fucking acceptable. You don't exactly. have fucking Iron Chef wearing a goddamn Mastodon shirt. So, I mean, we have a song in a in a movie that's about economic de- de- you know collapse. Uh, it's it's alongside other classic heavy metal songs. It makes this guy in the movie who's a kind of a genius but works a regular job but loves heavy metal as an outlet look normal, look smart. You know that's how I've always felt on the inside, and it's awesome that a, a, there's a movie to express what I'm saying instead of looking like I'm in Steel Panther. <laughs> which I do appreciate the comedy occasionally, although I did mention the feminist part. It's I'd rather be associated with some shit that is like art, and it's cool. It's it's res- I can it's nice to to have heavy metal seen that way because it is it is it is a form of classical music with electric guitars and shit. It should be respected. Same with punk. Same with hardcore. And so to to make it that we have to tackle the, the tough issues, which is like. We want singers to write songs that touch us. And when they go and they do things that piss us off, as people who've bought into to being their fans, we're allowed to have a reaction. Yeah. You know? Totally. And we're going to either cheer for you or we're going to boo, whether you're on the stage or we're fucking behind a computer screen. You know what I mean? And if there's one thing we should be known for forever is calling people on their bullshit, you know, throughout throughout history. That's what the metalheads are should be known for. You know, you look, you know, Phil and Tomo respects the old school. I'm talking about the old school. I'm talking about. I'm talking about black flag, minor threat, fucking bad brains. You know what I mean? Nazi punks, this, fuck this, off. This, well, uh, yeah, dead Kennedys. I mean, this, 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 this. I know he likes this shit. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. That's that that's uh, aggressive, intelligent, uh, touching, timeless music. Everybody in those bands have gone on to do occasionally embarrassing things, but haven't fucked up their fucking legacy. Jello Biafra, you know, you can have opinions about everybody that's done this fucking band. You know what I mean? Yep. Jello Biafra, Ian Mackay, uh, Brian Baker, who's you know wasn't bad religion. You know. Either way, every, all these bands had a great message. They were old school as fuck. They were aggressive, whatever. This is where I'm coming from. This is what has shaped my mentality and made me a, a person that I feel like is a helpful member of society. Although I love to fucking break shit, and I love the sound of heavy metal, <laughs> especially 
especially when Dimebag Daryl's playing a solo. I mean, there's nothing I love more in the world than that sound. But it takes a lot to make me feel disconnected to that, yeah, you know? I know. Now, that's why we love you, man. That's why we invite you on here to talk about this stuff, man, with the Sadist Nation. It is, uh, it, it's definitely, I think, important for everybody to, to, to hear other people's opinions about, about the important issues that really affect, uh, yeah, affect everyone, and, that affect us. I think it's important. Really do. And in true Washington, D.C. style, I mean, if I'm ever at a concert or wherever the fuck I'm at, backstage, usually fucking stealing some people's beer, I'm, I'm down for a very robust conversation about ideas. And, in no way does every member of the band Darkest Hour agree with everything that I have to say, nor, I want to make this clear, do I agree with any everything that they have to say either. <laughs> but they are my brothers, and we have an understanding. The understanding is this band is an identity, and the band has had something to say, and that is collectively what you present as a performer. You know what I mean? And... That's the truth. And, and then at, at the same time, you know, I believe in everybody in my band. And regardless of whether they have, like, different of opinions, I know that we all see eye to eye behind a red line. And I think that Phil and Samo stepped over that line, and that's where we're at right now. Yeah. It really yeah. has. On video, with other motherfucking rock stars there, Dave Grohl, fucking, mm. he's there too, you know. Everybody in Machine Head's there fucking dude from Metallica is there. I mean, not, you know, Kirk Hammett or James Hetfield, but the other guy, Rob Guy or whatever. Still, those are razor rock stars, man. Don't, you go up there and you see Cal and you yell white power. F- also, fuck, what about Dimebag? Why not fucking yell that? It's the goddamn Dimebash, man. That's the whole reason why we're all celebrating this shit still is we're fucking bummed that this fucking awesome, awesome songwriter's gone. Wow, thanks. And I think that's what's really uh, hits home for me about Rob's video, and he does it right away, is, you know, he says, those were the last words of the dime bash. That's a bummer. That is definitely so, a bummer, man. Hopefully, you haven't deleted all your fucking Darkest Hour songs out of your fucking iTunes, because <laughs> we're just talking about what we fucking think. I mean, if you are seriously fucking racist, you probably don't have any of our records in there, I think. So, I mean, got it, but... uh it's really just about yeah, speaking your heart in yeah. your music and your art, and occasionally you have to do that because otherwise you're just fucking reading off tour dates and advertisements for shit. You're not giving anybody any real substance. So I appreciate Rob bringing that into my life and making me feel inspired to say something. I guess. Well, so let's advertise your tour dates now. Uh, since oh yeah, there's <laughs> since you mentioned four it. of them. <laughs> uh, four. But, like, I want to say with the last time that I have, the Dark Sour is hot, and we are fucking in the lab cooking up shit, but we're tired of telling you guys about it every fucking five minutes, because that shit's boring. You're going to hear it from us when it matters, but understand we're cooking up. We got some old friends back together called At All Costs. I can't wait. And I know half of you hate them because they had the vocoder shit going on early and all that crap, but they have a really unique fan base that loves these dudes and are stoked. And we love them too. So we're excited to have them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were at the forefront of doing some shit that was in style and now or later. And, you know, we watched them suffer through that and, and push through because they were great artists. And it, it inspired us to want Mike to be in our band, you know, because Lone Star, our other guitar player was the guitar player for at all costs. Mm-hmm. And 
And in a weird way, now that that man's like a sister or brother man to us, and we're happy to get all those guys together and fucking party. We're going to tear this fucking Texas shit up. You're going to be there in Austin. Oh, yeah. So you're going to see this shit. Um, we're doing Undoing Ruin all the way through plus hits. Uh, probably, hopefully, you know, one of the last times. I mean, we kind of mastered this playing albums all the way through, so maybe we can bring other albums to you guys. Like, I know people want to deliver us. I know they want Status Nation, but... We just got a, we got a, some other plans to throw at you because it ain't just a nostalgia act, you know. Yeah. And on that note, we also we also booked some Alaska dates. So if you live up there, we'll be coming. Can't wait, dude. No, I, I'm serious. Like when uh, when they booked that here, I was like, hell yeah! And then announcing the at all cost thing, I was like, perfect, just perfect. Yeah. That, was oh, really, that was so and, cool. And I do just want to say real quick, the best highlights of, of the Nam 2016 were. Uh, Zach Wild doing Zach Sabbath. That motherfucker nailed those solos like a champ. Thought he did awesome. Uh, his new guitar line is cool. But I gotta say, like, ESP unveiled the the guitar painted in Gary Holt's blood. Oh, yeah, I saw and that. And it's fucking amazing. I saw it close up and personal. I was right there. Got to shake the hand of the thrash metal legend, Gary Holt. And I was kicking it with that from Death Angel. You know, it was, and the dude from Creator was there. It was like, ESP Guitars has all, every thrash icon, and they have amazing metal guitars. I mean, to me, if I walk around that place and a lot of those guitars and shit, it's like golf clubs. Man, the EVH, also the EVH, uh, the amp company we're sponsored by, dude, I just like, I'm a kid in a candy store in there. They got so much new shit, and, you know, Eddie's in there tinkering, making, you know, Van Halen, that is, for those that, that don't know. Tinkering, making new shit all the time, and I'm saying, like, it's fucking an honor to say that the two sh- the shit that you saw that was badass are are, are the you know, endorsers you do have. That's cool. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, innovative shit coming out of Seymour Duncan or Pedal Line is amazing, dude. Like, best built shit I've seen. And, you know, there's a couple outliers like Friedman Amps. Man, those things are badass. And saw some PRSs that were kick-ass. So... We got guitar mania out there for like three days. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate you coming on the show once again, dude. Sadist Nation with Mike Schleibaum from The Darkest Hour. See you guys after the primary, you know what I mean? Indeed. about time we got to wrap this thing up going long this week thanks once again to mike for being so honest coming on for the sadist nation thanks to stefan from obscura check out their new album called ecroasis and remember there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do for the podcast including supporting us on patreon uh go to chuckandgodless.com you can find us uh, right there that takes you right to our page we are not safe for work for some fucking reason so when you can't search patreon for not safe for work stuff which is something i just found out uh so weird. so yeah you gotta just go straight to chuckandgodless.com and you will find you can also find us Trekking Godless on Instagram as well. And the regular socials, I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks, Godless Speaks on Facebook. And may I add two other places that you can find. Uh, well, you can find uh, me. I did a blog post on badchristian.com, so you can check that out. But you can find us on the 70,000 Tons of Metal Cruise 
Chuck and I are going to be hosting Q and A's on the ship with uh, uh, I think two musicians during the course of the uh, cruise, maybe three. Um, we can't say who yet, but uh, we'll be on there. If you're on the cruise, please look out for us. Uh, look out for Chuck at the pre-party. Uh, it's, you can't miss it's, me. It's going to be a good time. You really can't always miss looking me. forward to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Uh, yeah, and you don't want to. Don't want to miss Chuck <laughs> because I am an exciting dude. I really, really am. Uh, I'll remember to bring my. Deck, Are they going to recognize you with your new slender figure? Oh, dude, I'm not that slender. Trust me. I'm maybe back to back to my 2013 body. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, it's not going all the way back to like 1990s or anything. I'll tell you that for sure. I'm, but, I'm hoping those are years and not wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't even want to go there. But uh, may also make sure that if you want to find the old podcast and all that stuff metal sucks.net click on the podcast app you'll find all of our old podcasts up there as well uh all the old interviews that we've done and uh again go back and you know give it a listen if you haven't done it and subscribe on itunes stitcher uh google play wherever you get your podcast we appreciate it leave us a couple of stars maybe uh give us your opinion tell us that we suck that would be awesome so until next week i am chuck and i'm godless and this is the metal sucks podcast You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.